What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Bacon on Everything podcast. I'm your host, as always, Blaine Costas, and today's episode is going to be a kind of a finish up of last episode with the Q&A, but more importantly, the topic for today is going to be fan theory. So I'm going to list out my top five fan theories, and we're going to talk about what I think about these fan theories and whether or not they're plausible or if there's something that I enjoy, if I wish that they were true or not, and that's just where we're going to go from here. So without any further ado, let's get into my top five. The number one, I'm going with the Joker being Robin. So the Joker in the Suicide Squad is very different from Jokers that we've gotten in the past, and and the best part about it is that it leaves a huge gap in, in explaining why this Joker is so different, why he has a chrome grill and all these weird tattoos that you haven't really seen on any other Jokers, like Heath Ledger's Joker or Jack Nicholson. And that came with a lot of fan theories. And one of the fan theories that I thought was amazing, and I really wish that it happened, was that the Joker was actually Jason Todd. So for those of you that don't know, back in the day there was a comic book and then a movie i believe and probably a couple of reiterations of the comic book since then where the joker actually kills a robin and robin being batman's sidekick if you're not completely sure what that meant um so jason todd was actually the i believe the second joker and so this joker actually got trapped and murdered by the joker am i have i said the joker this whole time this Robin got captured by the Joker and he got killed by him and through a lot of convoluted storylines and everything he eventually ended up coming back as a character named the Red Hood who is one of my favorite superhero characters in the world and he's the Joker's like manipulation of a Robin after he's been murdered and and now this Robin has a little bit of a twisted mind because of the way that he was brought back and exactly what happened to him and all this stuff and and now he's on a kind of like a a vengeance he wants to get revenge and he wants to kill the joker but he also wants the batman to make decisions that would help in the future so for example he essentially wants to murder and he wants the batman to murder the joker because there's a line where he talks about how if he was to just murder the Joker like this never would have happened. I would have never been taken from you. You would still be, for all intents and purposes, my father and, and I wouldn't have turned into this monster. So this is all because of you and your whole not killing Creed. So to go back to the movie, in the Suicide Squad, we had this flamboyant, like super pink Lamborghini over the top Joker who wasn't what we've seen before this like i said before um and that left these doors open for different theories and the theory that i love the most was that joker killed robin killed robin um but actually kept him alive and was torturing him over time and as dark as this may sound was torturing him and was starting to make the joker leave imprints on this robin and eventually what happened was that this robin then broke and became the joker and we've seen that the joker hasn't been around for a while at least you see like in the batman v superman and the whole universe of the dcu that the joker hasn't been this huge part of what's happening in the world which which makes it kind of strange because either you believe in the theory that the joker is just a figment of harley quinn's imagination or you believe that there's a huge gap in which there is no joker and then the joker then comes back essentially um you get the suicide squad joker who's in the same universe but then you get lines from uh, ben affleck when he's batman saying stuff like oh our gotham we have a thing in gotham and we have an issue with clowns or i'm paraphrasing but he says something along those lines so that leaves you with the thought of so if the joker exists why did he disappear or why isn't he a thing and i believe based on this fan theory and how much i want it to be true that this fan theory fits right in there so you get the the scarring and like the damage if you see the picture of the actual robin suit that has all the writing on it that says ha 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 the joke's on you if you go back and look at that there's damage done to the shoulder and if you look at the joker he has lots of damage under his shoulder so stupid things right little inconsequential parts of the theory that 
that doesn't really tell you much but at the end of the day if you were to open your mind and look at it and see from that perspective i believe that you'll see that maybe this was a possibility at some point you get the joker's branding all over this robin um in the comic books he was like beaten with a crowbar knocked out his teeth he was bleeding from everywhere and then this joker seems to have a chrome grill you have different instances in which you could see that maybe this joker was in fact a robin he has uh, the j tattoo under his eye but he also has a couple of tattoos with feathers like a robin's feathers and stuff like that all i'm saying is that it was a possibility or at least i want to think that it was a possibility at some point and to be honest with you it would have been freaking amazing if that's how deep this lore went my number two for top five yeah top five fan theories are is that jar jar binks is actually a sith lord now this theory goes as deep as rabbit holes do um there's so much to this theory that hasn't been explained and so much to this theory that if you're not in the weeds of star wars you're not gonna understand you're not gonna get it or you're not gonna you're not gonna care too much because yeah okay cool jar jar binks is a sith lord all right whatever that doesn't mean anything it does so let's get into it we're gonna just get into like a couple of quick little pictures and moments that you have to remember from the movies and and from just theories in general so for example if you go back into the movie and you see that okay so jar jar binks was this stupid good for nothing character that lucked his way into a lot of things now i've seen a couple of videos and i've watched a couple of theories on this that that prove that jar jar likes to use uh it's it's a fighting style called the drunken warrior the drunken fist or whatever and essentially what it is is somebody who's fighting with the unassuming amount like their body isn't in a fight stance their body isn't they don't look like they're ready to fight it just seems like they're lucking their way into winning combat you see a couple of things with jar jar that show that he kind of employs that whole martial arts strategy and that martial arts way of fighting and that in itself is something that makes it strange because for jar jar to be this stupid and unassuming character you think to yourself okay if he's really this dumb how does he know how to fight this way and not only that how does he survive numerous wars uh become a general in the army he then becomes a senator like his luck isn't possible it's far more possible that he was a character in disguise that the theory states that george lucas after the first movie and then it they're assuming the second movie as well the reception of jar jar was so bad that he didn't want to come out in the third movie with jar jar being the huge plot like twist and him being the actual bad guy for the whole series he didn't think that that would have been a smart idea because of how badly he was received a couple of other things is that he tends to use jedi mind trick mannerisms where if you're again you have to be a star wars fan to understand these things but a lot of the jedis when they're trying to convince somebody or talk to them they they do something like this where they use their hands or they they wave or they tend to just try to like this is their action of using force in general now with that being said there are a couple of conversations that jar jar does have with a couple of characters in which he persuades them to follow his way especially when he is essentially killing democracy um he is seen to be using his hands and to be using mannerisms that would relate to jedi mind tricks and things like that there's also and i i should have fact checked this but i believe i've heard it and it says it in the movies that there's always like two sith like there's always two sith there's always two sith lords there's always two members of whatever and if you think about that then you get to the points in the movie where there are one sith character how to explain it? okay so if there always has to be two sith at all times and that's the way that they keep balance of the force then in the first movie you have you're assuming palpatine in the background but you have darth maul then in the second movie you have count dooku and you have palpatine and then in the third movie you have darth vader and palpatine 
Now, with that being said, if, and this is a huge if, and that's why it is a theory and not an actual, can, if the theory was that Jar Jar is a Sith Lord, then essentially what happened was that Count Dooku was then placed in to be a Sith Lord for just the idea that we needed somebody to replace this whole theory or we needed somebody to be in there or to help move the plot forward how, because of how badly Jar Jar was received. Hence why Count Dooku essentially does nothing. He just is a character, then he dies in the third movie. Spoilers. And you kind of don't get anything from him. However, if you were to believe in the theory that Jar Jar Binks was actually a Sith Lord, then this whole time what would have happened was in the first movie you would have had Darth Maul not being a Sith Lord and just being a member of the Sith, being a Sith Jedi, but you would have had Jar Jar Binks and Palpatine, and then in the second movie, again, you would have Jar Jar Binks and Palpatine, and then in the third movie, Jar Jar Binks is assumed to be murdered or dead or not a Sith member, and so he kind of disappears, and then you would have had Palpatine and Anakin. My headphones always die in the middle of recording these podcasts, which scare the crap out of me, if you guys can't tell by the look on my face. Um, So yeah, you would have had Palpatine and Darth Vader with Jar Jar Binks in the background, but however, because of that, none of this happened, and it's just Palpatine, and and now we know that Jar Jar Binks is assumingly dead at some point in the movies, and he's a stupid character that doesn't actually exist, or he does exist, but he doesn't exist to the role in which this theory plays my next theory is going to be that of harry potter now harry potter has a lot of theories in it um a lot of theories that you kind of have to take with a grain of salt you kind of have to and especially with uh yeah it's jk rowling right yeah okay so with jk rowling she actually hasn't confirmed nor denied a lot of these theories she just lets them happen and and says a lot of the times like if that's your interpretation of the story then that's what it is like it's very difficult for you to get the answer that you're looking for when it comes to theories with her so one of the theories is that harry potter actually imagines this whole world of wizarding under the stairs and his life is never anything more he essentially is just writing this story out or imagining this story and it's kind of a boring theory but it's just one of those theories that gives you a perspective where somebody could see like oh yeah the world of wizarding and and then uh everything from hogwarts to like the houses and everything like that is just this huge imagination from a kid under the stairs who's obsessed with living or having a life that's bigger than what he actually is um and a couple of the theories a couple of the the points of the theory is to just say that the way that he he becomes famous and and has a wealth immediately like so quickly that it it kind of seems like that was his like imagination like he imagined himself to be such an important character in the wizarding world that it wouldn't make sense in a actual situation where if eventually this kid was to have a curve and then it was that he was at the height of his fame and at the height of his knowledge and at the height of his wizarding world he wouldn't have just immediately became the amazing harry potter that we know from the movies and from the books um so that theory kind of has some strings to it i don't tend to believe it but another theory that i truly do believe is that that because harry's a horcrux that explains the dorsley's Dursleys, Dursleys, whatever the hell their names are. Um, his uncle and aunt and kid, and, and they're all so terrible to him. But the theory is, is that because Harry's a Horcrux, and we don't find that out until the seventh film, or the seventh book, or whatever, because we don't figure that out, we don't really put two and two together. But the theory states that when you see what happens with ron and harry and hermione when they're around another horcrux and how that affects their nature and who they are you can see the the relation between harry being a horcrux and this whole time they have he has been affecting the dorsleys and making them into these terrible people the only question i would have had with this theory that kind of puts a hole in it is 
why doesn't anybody else seem to be like that from the movie and if they do is it to the extent of someone like snape where he acts the way he does to harry because he's being affected by the horcrux in which case then just puts a wrench in the whole he's a double agent and he loves harry's mother and it kind of just gets a little bit too convoluted but i do think it's a super interesting theory and it definitely brings to mind like things that you don't really maybe it's explained in the book but you don't really see or notice in the actual movies my next (laughs) and this one's a funny one um because uh the creators and everything have steered into it but my next one would be uh toby is the scranton strangler now this is one of those theories that if you don't love the office it doesn't really matter to you because the plot of the Scranton Strangler is so C-plot and so not a big issue. You don't even think about it like, yeah, okay, cool. Toby disappears for a couple of episodes, then he's back and all this stuff happens. It's it's just something that happens in the background of The Office while you're watching the story of, I don't know, Jim and Dwight or Jim and Pam or Michael. And it, it doesn't seem like such a big plot line. However, if you're into the nitty gritty of The Office, like I became what over the last two years because of my girlfriend which is a show that i've never watched before and then i started watching it and i fell in love with it i love the characters and now i just consume as much outward media as there is about the office but anyways the theory states that toby is the grand strangler and there's a couple of things that lead to it as well as the office actually posting a youtube video that they produced that are clippets and snippets clips and snippets of episodes of the office that kind of show uh toby's like weird moments or his strange moments or unexplained moments and it's actually pretty interesting to watch because you can then in 14 minutes or however long the video is you can just quickly like get all the information or all the different background notes that tell you everything about this grand strangler or why toby is this perceived uh the actual strangler um so a couple of things that they actually note in the episode or in the 14 minute video is that for a lot of the scenes that involve the Scranton strangler toby isn't around which is pretty obvious if if he was to believe if you were to believe that he is the Scranton strangler that would be obvious so for example when they're watching the car chase um in the office in the actual office when they're watching the car chase of him being chased by the police and and him being chased down and he's on the highway and he being this grand strangler toby's not in the office he's actually nowhere to be found and i believe there's actually a note to say that somebody called toby's direct main line while this was all happening while he was cooped up in the house while this grand strangler wasn't he was avoiding the police he was standing in the house and somebody was calling toby's direct line now we know that there's a receptionist for one which means that if there was a call it would have went to pam however pam's not at her desk so unless the calls are auto forwarded which then you don't need pam you get into the situation where somebody had the direct line to toby's phone at his desk Toby also doesn't have any friends and we kind of see that in the show where he's made a couple of comments about how he doesn't have any friends and how he doesn't have anybody to talk to and etc 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 so it it comes to mind that who who would be calling him at this time so with that if you take the the idea that okay so Toby had somebody close enough that would be calling this direct line and then you have the scene in which Toby goes and visited, visits the arrested and then charged Grant Strangler, who he says is an innocent man, which we'll get into. But he goes to visit him and Toby ends up being strangled and taken out with in a stretcher and he's fine and he just damaged his throat and whatever. It kind of makes you think that maybe, and unless the Grant Strangler is somebody who just strangles for the sake of strangling, um you kind of get the idea that okay what could have happened was toby kind of set this person up or maybe he had somebody that was working with him and they're both the scranton strangler and toby kind of framed him which then gets into the latest parts of the theory that toby's always complaining about him being 
oh, I put an innocent man in jail and I did this and this is all my fault and this, etc., etc., etc. But if that's the case, when Tony goes to Toby goes to see the person who he essentially put behind bars, who he was also working with at the time, the reaction of trying to hurt the person makes sense. It makes sense for you to want to jump across the table because somebody put you in here and he should actually be in here, but for some reason you're in here because he was smart enough to play you and frame you and set you up in a situation where you then look like the Grand Strangler. So to me, that part of the theory makes sense. Um, Again, he likes to talk to everybody about how, to the point at nauseam where people in the office just walk out on Toby talking about how he put an innocent man behind bars and and how it's all his fault that this man is behind bars and he's not the real Grand Strangler and I'm starting to have second doubts there is oh what is his name i think it's i'm gonna it definitely isn't his name but i think it's clyde who's one of the interns uh he's the same actor from kick-ass or whatever but anyways there's a scene where jim and toby are talking and jim's talking to him about counseling or i think it's family counseling at the time or couples counseling because toby was divorced and he's asking him like oh how did it go for you and and then clyde Clyde walks in and he for the audio listeners I did uh, quotation marks because I don't actually know what his name is completely forgot Um, but anyways he walks in he interrupts them Toby's like hey man not now get out of here and then he says something under his breath about like oh I'm, I'm gonna kill him so you kind of have these moments where Toby likes to get the last word in there's even a a scene when um he's talking about I forgot what they're talking about, but they're talking about the office essentially and how you have uh, chemicals coming up from the basement and you have asbestos in the ceiling and in the roof and, and asbestos is a silent killer. And then Michael snaps at him and says, no, 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 you're the silent killer, Toby. And Toby says something along the lines of like, if you only knew or you'll soon find out or something like that. Essentially, you just have a character in Toby who... If you wanted to believe that he is this Grand Strangler, or at least some sort of, I don't know, he's part of this Grand Strangler, he is an accessory to the fact, or maybe he is the main Grand Strangler, there's a lot of key points that could point to the situation at hand, and then you could see for yourself that, oh, okay, maybe there's something to this theory. You just have to kind of look in there and go in with open eyes and an open mind and maybe you'll find something there. I did. I love this theory. I think it's one of the better theories and and even if it's not true, it's one of those theories that if you go into the rabbit hole deep enough, you can convince yourself that it's true, which to me are some of the best theories because at the end of the day, if you can't if somebody's just constantly telling you that this is this is a theory, this is the truth, and you can't see it, you'll never understand it. It'll never become part of your whole meta. You'll never understand it as part of the story. But if it's something that you went out searching for and then you found different parts and you started putting pieces together, you started to understand the picture as a whole, it makes a lot more sense to you. And that's what, in my I like, in my opinion, makes the best theories. My number five, and before I give my number five, I just should have said this at the beginning, but these definitely aren't in any order. Although I do love the Joker theory the most, that being number one is kind of coincidental and they're not actually in order. Um, An honorable mention that I wanted to make, actually a couple of honorable mentions that I wanted to make was uh, the Disney-Pixar connected universe, the whole big universe of the Disney and Pixar. I, I believe they're separate so it's the pixar universe and the disney universe which i'm sure there are some connecting lines but at the same time i like to keep them separate there's two humongous theories um that essentially center around progression and evolution in the pixar world where you get from i believe i believe it's toy story all the way to monsters inc and it kind of just details how the world has evolved and and the people and animals and the environment of the world have evolved over time and how you get from toy story in which toys are talking to i guess no i think it starts with up i think it's up that starts it because you get the dog talking and up which then they say 
they use the same mechanical device and input it into toys and then toys can talk and etc etc stuff goes on that's a pretty good theory to me and it goes on all the way until monsters inc and then you get boo involved from monsters inc and she's actually the witch from brave and all this huge theory then you get the disney theory which centers around the family of tarzan anna and elsa all being siblings and then the little mermaid the shipwreck and tangled and all this stuff and it's a huge theory which parts have been confirmed by directors or confirmed by writers and things like that and and you get this huge theory the only reason why those two theories aren't on my list right now is because they're so 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 in depth that i would have to do another video which i probably will and may at some point but that doesn't fit into a top five i think those are so large and important that they should just be their own um another theory a couple theories actually was that the peter pan is the angel of death uh wonderland or never neverland neverland is the like essentially the realm of death and he takes kids there and that's why they never get old and it's another theory that you can look into that i don't know it didn't really grip me but reading it and looking up on it it definitely had some points to it a theory that did get me that i didn't put on this list because i haven't watched the movie recently is that willy wonka is actually a child murderer um which is really dark really really dark uh and essentially what it is is that that's his special ingredient in this chocolate and that's why he hosts these uh contests to get the children in there and it ties back to i think something to do with there's a uh oh something just smashed upstairs anyways there's a boat and there's the willy wonka mobile machine and both of them have a certain amount of seats and how kids disappear and die prior to this and and that's the only way that they can all fit in this without having any extra seats and not having too many people whatever i'm gonna look into that theory i'll get back to you guys maybe i'll just make it a quick note on another video but or podcast but um i i think that theory definitely has has legs to it if that's i think that's the term uh jesse being toy stories andy's andy's mom's toy which is pretty sweet a little couple of key points about her hat and stuff like that anyways so my number five my number five is that grease lightning is sandy's death fantasy so this theory stems from the idea of the song at the very beginning where they're just asking them to tell me more just tell me more tell me more what's he put in his hair i think that's what they say anyways so the theory is is that prior to the song and the whole beginning of the movie when they're on the beach and and sandy talks about in the song she sings about or he sings about maybe it's danny boy uh he sings about how she almost drowned and then the theory is that everything that happens from that point in the movie on to the very end is then a theory that she has actually died and she's imagining this or this is her uh i don't know her heaven or her hell or whatever her purgatory that she's off in this world after she's died that she's then imagining every moment of it uh having her imaginations of like teen pregnancy and and these like these like i don't know gangs and the t-birds and all that kind of stuff the theory is based around the fact that the car at the very end of the movie flies um and literally the only way to describe that is that she is dead that that's her imagination that that everything in this movie is just a part of her imagination and that the car flying at the end is her way of um going to heaven or that's the depiction of her going to heaven she's left purgatory she's left wherever and she's now dead her and danny are going her dream boy who it doesn't make sense that he he would be going with her unless they both drowned but anyways that's the theory um it's it's not as in-depth as the other ones it's not as it's not tied to as much as the joker theory for example which is why i do enjoy the joker theory a lot more however it's one of those theories that you think about and it's just a little huh that's pretty that's pretty insane it's pretty crazy to think about it's it's one of those theories that there are wings to 
I didn't mean that. I didn't mean to tie that into the fact that the car flies at the end of the movie. But um, it's one of those theories that if you wanted to look into, if you wanted to believe it, you could easily just take that off and say, you know what, that's what I'm going to take as truth. And, and that's what I'm going to believe from here on out. For as far as theories go, um, that's probably the weakest one in my opinion. There are a lot of theories out there that especially in the disney like universe um different theories about whether it's the mcu so like how peter parker is actually a kid from the early iron man movies or how aladdin is set in the i mean it's not mcu but aladdin is set in the post-apocalyptic future there's lots of theories and, and i'm a huge conspiracy head and i'll probably do an episode on conspiracy theories but it's definitely a part of the the enticing parts of theories is that it just gives you more and more to think about in these universes that you thoroughly enjoy um so whether it be theories about kevin from uh home alone being jigsaw from saw it's just something to think about it keeps your mind off of things and keeps you engaged in again a universe that you love so like i said earlier i'm gonna finish off the q a for what i did last week the episode i think i did i think i did five questions i want to say um if that's the truth i'm going to do a couple more that i have written down here i like to write down a couple of things just jot some notes that way i can vamp and talk about more but i just try to keep on track and i think in the mental health episode i talked about how i like to journal things and and a lot of that is me being able to go back to something so if you see me looking down a lot or you see me flipping pages or hear me flipping pages um it's because i normally just have a book in front of me that just has all my notes jotted down and tells me exactly what to keep in line and keep on topic <coughs> sorry so um to continue from last week's episode of the q a i believe i did five episodes like i said or five questions like i said so i'm gonna do number six now which is my favorite tv shows um this one is kind of a hard one because it depends on what you're into if you're gonna relate to any of this but it, again this is my q a you guys are asked like i'm getting these questions i'm being told to answer these questions and so my number one not not numbers let's not number them a <laughs> no i'm kidding so the first one is going to be one tree hill um one Tree Hill is like a teen basketball drama TV show about essentially these two kids named the Scott Boys, uh, different mothers, same father. And honestly, it's one of those shows that once I got hooked, I could not could not stop watching. Um, I remember <coughs> in uh, elementary school, we had a teacher that would have us watch the show on like snow days and stuff like that and because i'm assuming she loved it and i never really paid attention to it because i thought like ah drama tv shows back then stupid i'm i'm a man I, I don't need to watch these stupid shows but eventually i ended up watching the show with my mom and and it's one of those shows that grip you at all parts of life because it goes from these kids being in high school to all the way when they're married and having kids and and you get this span of a life that teaches you so much about them as characters and like who you relate with you then end up seeing their growth and you end up seeing them become deeper and dark like different characters than what you initially signed up for which to me is what makes a great tv show is when you see character development which is obvious a lot of people will say that in tv shows and movies that you need character development but when you get it over spans of seasons and they're able to keep reinvigorating these characters and and changing them to ways where you never saw them being from the beginning of the show along with the emotional ties of you enjoying the character from when they were younger you also then grow with them and find parts of yourself in them or find ways to escape in them so long-winded one tree hill great show if you haven't seen it yet uh favorite character is obviously lucas because the nathan sucks at the beginning <laughs> he sucks a lot but he does get better spoilers but he gets a lot better and the show in itself you you get more invested in the longer you go on another one of my favorite tv shows is how i met your mother 
which all right so i'm gonna say this and a lot of people aren't gonna believe me but from i want to say season three maybe season four i guess the ending of how i met your mother i knew that you're gonna meet the mother she's gonna die this is gonna be a story about how spoilers should have said spoilers spoilers this is a story about how uh how ted is in love with robin and that's it like that is that is what the story is you get so many different notes and little snippets of of how he reacts and this is like if this wasn't the season ending that we got if we didn't get the mother dying and him running to robin that probably would have been one of my favorite theories is that that would have been the end because you get these moments of ted in like vulnerable moments where he's kind of dazed and confused so he starts like crying and missing the mother that you haven't met yet and you're like what are you talking about like there's the moment where he he runs to her house while she's dating he's like oh if if i knew then that your mother lived at this house or whatever he ends up at her house and this is like an alternate future thing so it doesn't actually happen but he ends up at her house and like confessing to her like how much he loves her and and how great their lives are going to be together and and that he would do anything for just 45 more seconds or 45 more minutes or 45 more days who i think those were the times that he put but you see that he was devastated by the thought of not having enough time and so it gave you this hankering to think like oh why wouldn't they have enough time either ted dies or she dies and and at the end of the day like I think that the ending of the whole TV series that you get you get the satisfaction of knowing that Ted found finally what he's been looking for his whole life and he found it and he had that moment and and he like won the lottery he had the woman of his dreams and unfortunately and unfortunate is for lack of a better term he lost it and he lost it in a way that wasn't what you saw for the rest of the show she didn't break up with him she didn't he didn't break up with her she didn't end up with his ex her her ex like she passed away and he had his moment and he had this life that he was so content with that she was everything and at this point in his life he was looking for companionship that he missed and he went back to robin um i think him telling the story him there's a couple of like (coughs) you can actually look it up online and there's a couple of moments where you can tell that she was passed away like i was just speaking about and one of the moments or one of the things that i read somebody point out was that if if the mother was still alive don't you think at some point she would have stepped in to tell the kids the story of what really happened or or how they really met or Oh no, dad didn't sweep me off my feet. Yes, he was amazing, but he did X, Y, and Z. Like, there would have been a difference in story at some point in the story, or you would have seen her be able to tell a story about how how she was doing this whole time, or where she was, or why she never met him prior, that kind of a thing. Um, but the fact that you don't get that kind of tells you, and I think I'm speaking about this in this way because we just started talking about theories, and I meant to tell you guys that this is a great show, so you should just watch it. You should get involved in it. You should love that universe. A lot of people say that it's too friends-like, which I get. Um, I completely understand. As a fan of both, a huge fan of both, I understand where that comes from. It's just I don't think you can have too much of the same great thing. Like the Friends series is an amazing top-tier series. And How I Met Your Mother is as well. So why not just watch both uh that's just my opinion Uh, a couple of other tv shows that i'm just gonna quickly run through because if you don't watch these shows if you don't know anything about anime then this isn't gonna tell you anything it's not gonna help you with anything it's just my list so death note uh great great anime probably my favorite anime super intellectual super in-depth with the characters definitely a couple of plot twists and turns and and keeps you on the edge of your chair from episode one all the way to the end of the series completed series so all these shows are completed essentially and you can just go back watch it binge it especially during this time when we're all looking for something to do perfect time to go out there watch some one tree hill watch how i met your mother watch death note and the last show that i will put on my list is the oc now 
the OC, I have a weird, weird relationship with because I've watched it to a point at least three or four times. And to that point is when Marissa dies. Don't know why, but once Marissa dies, I'm completely uninvested. Like, I don't care how the series ends. I don't care what happens afterwards. Um, I, I don't know why. It's, it's not that I loved Marissa as a character. I think it's because I loved her and Ryan, like that whole dynamic and their ups and downs and trials and tribulations and how hard they work to be together and how hard they fall out in life. Like, I love TV shows that are based around life. Uh, whether it be because it's an escape or whether it be because it's a way to teach about life. I love TV shows like that. And so the OC, again, is another example where you get this great storytelling and you get everything you need to know about great moments in life and you can learn or you can watch it and have a different perspective or see how things would be different and how you would handle things differently. It's just something to invest time in and, and get lost in and that's just my opinion but oc another show that's great for that so another question that i was asked was if you were to have dinner with three people dead or alive who would they be Whew. i'd have to say kid cuddy absolutely no questions asked kid cuddy 100 percent of the time uh i think even having like a 10 minute conversation with the guy would be an absolute dream for me um He's somebody that I admire so much and he, I think I've spoken about this before, is that like if anybody who listened to Kid Cudi doesn't tell you that they saved their life, it's kind of like, but did he really like, (coughs) you get to a point where like his music and the way that he portrays himself is like who I aspire to be, like I want to be somebody who's well aware of his emotions and well connected to his emotions and even though the ups and downs may come it's still the fact that you understand that they're coming like it his control and grasp on his emotions and on his life that's something to be admired um and so a a dinner with him like a good hour hour and a half with him sitting down conversing that would be probably the best moment of my life um not not to say that there aren't other great moments but like you know what i mean like he having that moment would be amazing and be something that i could never i don't know replicate um two other people i mean drake i think that would be awesome uh to sit down with him and and kind of just talk about like growing up uh he also like um, to an extent had a had a i don't know a point in making me who i am today uh he kind of taught us or taught a lot of dudes or a lot of men and maybe you don't like it maybe you do but he taught a lot of us to be like it's okay to be emotional it's okay to have those moments it's okay to like somebody or feel hurt by them or to be connected with your emotions like as much as kid cuddy helped you with knowing that like depression and anxiety and everything is real and like there's different ways to cope and there's different ways to be involved and there's different things for all of that drake was on the other side of it where it's okay to tell people that you love them it's okay to tell people that you miss them like it's okay to be emotional it's okay to to give somebody your heart and hope for the same and it's it's okay to be connected to other people like that's those are two different sides of like especially who i am these days where it's like i'm super emotional and i'm super invested in feelings and i'm super invested in in showing people that i love and care about them and then at the same coin like i'm super affected by my own emotions and i'm super affected by the way that my head works and that my heart works and that how i think about things or how i perceive things and both of these artists were able to show that hey like this is how i cope with it this is how i used it as a ploy to become successful or here's how i used not a ploy but used it as a avenue to become successful or i used it as some way to expose who i am as a person and and like it's okay to be vulnerable essentially um i think the final person that i would have dinner with if i could have all three of them at the same time like great but i i don't think that'd be possible um would be kobe bryant like 
as much as I'm a fan of LeBron James and I'm a huge fan of what he's done for his city and I'm a huge fan of like Kawhi Leonard and I'm a huge fan of Michael Jordan and I love basketball period um I think sitting down and having a conversation with somebody like Kobe would be essentially super like the most beneficial thing for somebody period as far as speaking to um like somebody that you admire speaking to an an uh, an idol that you have so for example why i say that is because if you look at the plethora of people who have met kobe bryant in their life or worked with him or trained with him they all have this level of excellence that others don't achieve or they don't get to um all the way from him like working out with like the old school people like working out with jordan working out with alan iverson like having um like a relationship with Shaq, having a relationship with all the people from back back in the day and then having a relationship with like the new kids like jason tatum and trey young and demar derose and having these like long-spanning relationships with people who have been successful in their crafts uh luka Doncic, like he he knows how to get the best out of people and i think being able to have a conversation with him or being able to see like what keeps you motivated or what keeps you going or, or what is the driving force in your life i think that would be a great great something that you wouldn't be able to replace like that's that's a moment in itself where you would get so much from it the other two i don't know how much i would benefit um like i would benefit from the enjoyment of being in a, at a dinner table and speaking with them and stuff like that but with kobe like i think you could legitimately take parts of what he says or what he teaches you and and take that and apply it to your life and to my life and stuff like that <coughs> I, I guess I could just lead right into the next question, which is what keeps me motivated. Um, to me, it's freedom. Like I, I've been working since I was sixteen, seventeen. Um, haven't had any time. Like haven't had any extended time off. Like I haven't. I never went to university. I never went to college. I never did anything like post secondary. Uh, it was essentially just my. I went right into the workforce um and more and more nowadays and going forward i i think about like what am i gonna do to become free of having to work like and like i i make it sound a lot more terrible than it is but i have a great job i love my job it's amazing it pays it pays me super well it gives me a lot of freedom to do things in hours that i never used to before with my old jobs um and like i'm financially stable enough that i can provide for myself i can i could live that this life for the rest of my life however the the freedom to expand your horizons um the freeze the freedom to go ahead and do things that you're not comfortable with it or go ahead and do things that you've never thought you could see yourself doing the freedom to work a full day on a certain task that benefits you only i think that's something that is super understated and and at least my my circle like my my family never had that opportunity growing up like we didn't have i didn't have that opportunity my parents didn't have that opportunity like you worked a job you worked at it until you were done working and then you're done working and like you just repeat that cycle of day to day doing your job showing up to work doing your best and then going home so to have the freedom to explore and invest and to look at things with a different perspective than just I need money to survive like that's something that keeps me motivated that keeps me wanting to do things um like if I was to be honest and and kind of show something that is relative to it is is the way that like Kevin Hart is able to work like he did one thing to get himself into a position where now he is involved in so many different things and he's able to invest in real estate and invest in uh like workout regimens and workout nutrition and and things like that like he's able to diversify his 
his uh, portfolio, I guess. Um, and he's able to do it in a way that he's not cutting off the arm to spite, like, or what is it? To cut off the nose to spite the face? I don't know. Whatever it is. He, he's not sacrificing anything. He's not putting his family in a position where they're their financial freedom is jeopardized he's doing it on the side to make generational wealth and make that a possibility and so the last and final question is a tattoo that i regret um this tattoo story is kind of a long one and maybe i'll go more into detail about it um but i have a batman tattoo on my right forearm that uh honestly it's starting to fade out it's starting to not look as good as it did when i first got it done and i would love to get it worked over or even removed and get something else in place of it that being said i'm definitely gonna get another batman tattoo that i feel better um shows my love and allegiance for like comic books and video games and stuff like that that's definitely not the problem the problem is just that it's super faded out and and it was done at a crappy tattoo studio um by a crappy tattoo artist and that kind of sucks because you know you you go to a certain tattoo artist and you you want your picture or your tattoo to to last you a long time like they tell you that tattoos are permanent and you go in with the decision that hey this is going to be on my body for the rest of my life and now a mere like what three years later i'm thinking like okay i gotta get it removed i gotta i don't know find something to cover it up with probably some roses or something i don't know but essentially it's just like that kind of is a super bummer but you know you do what you can and eventually i'm gonna get another batman tattoo probably on like the back of my neck or something <laughs> i don't know i'll figure it out um but yeah so that's the tattoo that i definitely regret the most I, I don't think I regret any other tattoos. I only regret that tattoo because of the poor quality of it. But that's just me, right? Um, so anyways, that is it for the episode of... Or this episode, sorry, of the Bacon on Everything podcast. I hope you enjoyed your listen. Um, I hope you have some deeper thinking into some fan theories. <coughs> I hope I don't have corona. No, I don't. Um, but yeah, I honestly... I'm so thankful for you guys sticking around i'm so thankful for you guys listening every week day in and day out um i'm gonna try to get a real grasp on this youtube thing so far i've just been able to upload one real video and this plus the last podcast are going to be essentially a stale 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 image um with that being said i'm definitely looking at avenues to go with uh different cameras different like studio setups different ways to get the picture that i want um so far i haven't been able to achieve that and that's okay i mean it's all work in progress and hopefully we get there someday but i would love to thank you guys for sticking around if you have any topics or ideas that you want me to cover that you want to hear me talk about love for you to shoot me a dm love for you to comment on the youtube videos love for you to send me a quick message um follow me on instagram at blaine costas and on twitter at costas underscore blaine and if you're looking for more of this podcast if this is the first episode i'm on spotify i'm on google podcast i think i'm on apple music if not please let me know on youtube you can search me on anchor and hopefully you find me until the next time i'd like you to put bacon on everything Mm -hmm.